Welcome to the Back in Business podcast with me, Liz Barkley, and him, Mickey Clark. Yeah, and it's been a busy week, particularly for our Chancellor, with his make-or-break summer budget. I must say, before we kick off, though, Liz, the hair is looking wonderful. All that fuss, all that anguish that we had last week and the week before. That's the first time you've said anything nice to me in the 27 years I've known you, but but it was a shaggy dog story. <laughs> it was My fringe was right down to my nose. <laughs> and I don't know if you noticed this, but in high streets up and down the land on Saturday, there were queues outside the barber shops. It was the barber shops that everybody yeah. was flocking to get into. And I noticed the weekend papers were carrying pictures of before and after, you know, people before they'd had their hair cut and <laughs> after the event. And uh, some of them are pretty impressive. Not saying I'd have to worry too much about. Um, but yeah, no, no, I, I but think you need a polish. <laughs> I'll show back and polish every time. Yeah, yeah. Cost doesn't cost me anything that way. But you went to the pub, or you were intending to go to the yeah. pub, did you? How was it? Yeah, I went. I went twice actually. I, I was a bit dubious about it, and we went to uh, went out for a meal on on Saturday night, and the governor came up as soon as we got there. He's lost a stone in weight during lockdown. Um, he's looking a lot better. Uh, made us friendly. He had a bar there, temporary bar. Um, barrels of beer stacked up. Everything was on on tap and ready to go. Um, he had a few people there just drinking casually uh, in one bit of the marquee. And then you went through to the back and there was um, a restaurant section with heaters and, and people actually sitting there having having their meals. And the waitresses had it off, you know, they had it off to a tea. They were up and downstairs bringing stuff out. It was piping hot. I couldn't fault it. I'm not saying it's something I do every week. Um, and... The weather wasn't that great, and that what you know that makes me worried about going forward. If if this continues, um, what are we going to be doing come October, November time? Yeah, precisely what you said last week. The weather's not going to hold out just because we need to be in a marquee exactly. yeah, in, a, yeah. in a pub garden. And we're going to be talking to Jenny Bish, the uh, landlady of the Barley Moo in Maidenhead shortly because she opened this week too. But of course, the other thing that was in the spotlight this week was the announcement from Oliver Dowden, the Secretary of State for Culture, Media and Sport. And he talked about theatre and the arts and handing point. Uh, six million billion roughly to that sector um, and we are going to be talking to uh, the actor Adam James shortly and to Zoe Kerno who runs the Minac Theatre in Cornwall um, but f- before we do that Simon McVicker our Director of Public Policy sorry Public Affairs Policy and Communications is here. Simon what's your take on everything that's been announced this week? Um, well, I think that uh, Mickey's right. I think uh, the the task ahead of the Chancellor is so huge that I think the measures that he uh, announced this week um, are just simply inadequate. I mean, just yesterday, we've lost almost 10,000 jobs in the retail sector, and um, they're warning of a tidal wave of job losses in the, in the retail sector coming. And, I mean, I, I, you know, I know the Chancellor is well-intentioned, but I just found some of his um, his proposals rather gimmicky and um, really not going to solve the problem of, of getting this economy going again. So uh, I think we've got a long way to go before we're out of this. Do, do you get the impression, Simon, that some companies are saying 
blow the chancellor. We're going to do our own thing and we're going to prepare for a scenario six months, a year down the line where we've got to be fit and mean and we've got to keep costs down to a minimum. We're going to shed jobs because we believe that puts us in a healthier financial situation and we're not going to rely on a re revival of the economy that they keep talking about and the prospect of, you know, getting away with a second wave. Well, you know, that might be true with the big companies um, because, I mean, they've got the ability to think further ahead. But I don't think it's like that with small businesses and uh, freelance people. Well, they they I mean, feed off the back of big business, of course. Yeah, they do. But, I mean, they're also day-to-day -day survival people, you know, looking for the next contract here and there. And, um, you know, I, I, I think it's very hard to plan so far ahead when you're a small business. So um, I'm not that optimistic at the moment. Well, I'm not very optimistic about the chances for some of the freelancers either. But of course, the argument is that freelancers will put things on hold, bounce back, start up again and be there ready with their skills and their knowledge and experience uh, when the bigger the bigger firms need those skills. But well, that, is that the case? In, yeah, if they're still going at that stage, I mean, the self-employment scheme ends uh, next month and... Uh, you know, there's nothing in the pipeline for freelancers, no help at all for, from the government. And and these people, you know, are, are going to have to pay their mortgage and, and you know, their, their gas bills and like everybody else. Um, so, you know, I don't I just really don't know how, how people are going to survive in the short term. And I am really worried about that. Um, but then, of course, there was some good news this week. Oliver Dowden's speech yesterday uh, covered outdoor theatres, indoor gyms, sports facilities, etc. Uh, in England, and of course we've got to be really wary about this because Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland, we're all reopening at different times. But there was some good news, was there not, Simon? Yes, um, I think they're, they're uh, opening the bits of the economy uh, that we thought might have opened at the beginning of July. Um, but I, I like the Regent's Park Outdoor Theatre. I went onto their web page immediately to see whether they were going to do anything this summer. And they've said the season cancelled. So it's a little bit late. But for the and musicians, even if they do people open like up, that. Simon, even if they yeah. do open up, Simon, you know, unless they've got an audience that's going to sit cheek by jowl, mm they're going to see a big drop in income, whether they open up or not. It might not be economically worthwhile them opening up. Well, that's what Back in Business has been saying. We need to see the theatres opening. That's the only solution to, to, to helping them. But can I just say one thing? Um, there was one person that's done really well out of this week. It's the Chancellor himself. YouGov have a poll out showing that 60% back his measures and think he's doing a good job. So Rishi's on the rise. Well, um, I I just noticed all those headlines, you know, the uh, the meal deal, etc. Headlines, and I, my headline would have been, "Who's going to do the washing up? Who's washing Who's the dishes?" Who's going to pay the bill? Wait till the taxes <laughs> go up. See how, see how popular he is then. <laughs> I think well, you're right. I think uh, we'll see what he's like in six months' time. Okay, we're going to talk about theatres because we've got uh, Zoe. Uh, Caro from the Minac Theatre in Cornwall and we've got Adam James who is a theatre actor both with us uh, but just let me tell you um, I don't know if you remember but we had uh, Sue Routledge who is a beautician 
uh, on the programme a couple of weeks ago and again she talked to us last week. But of course, beauticians have now heard that they can open to a certain extent. So uh, Sue emailed me this morning and she said, I think the whole beauty industry was so excited, eagerly awaiting the announcement, but then a bit of a shock. Uh, because after three and a half months, the government gave us only three days notice that we can open and then placed lots of restrictions around what we can do. So like many, I'm still in limbo because 80% of my salon's work involves facial treatments and only treatments allowed in the UK currently are on hands, feet and body with no date for the restrictions to lift. So Sue, still in that limbo, she says, uh, I now have to decide whether to partially reopen at a loss or remain closed. But it is fantastic news for many salons and nail bars. And I do feel that uh, now we're going in the right direction, just a bit slower than we might have anticipated. Simon, this is all boiling down to the problem of money, isn't it, basically? Um, whether people are employed or on furlough, the furlough comes to an end in October. There is going to come a crunch point at some time this year, whether or not businesses can survive. Absolutely. And um, I think that uh, it, particularly the small businesses, of course, um, uh, there's, there's some gossip in the press today that um, the furlough scheme is actually helping the big businesses because uh, it, it, there's it's giving them money for jobs that uh, they were going to keep anyway. So um, I just think that the whole statement on, on Wednesday lacked a small business perspective and, and maybe that will come in the autumn. Maybe that's what he'll talk about in the autumn. But I think on Wednesday there was very little for small businesses and for self-employed, absolutely nothing. What, what do you make of this this giveaway that the papers were full of, the um you know, the £10 off of meals, family of fourth, saving 40 quid. When I looked at it closely, it's for Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. Yes. If you're in that game um, and, you know, we'll have an expert in a minute who's more enlightened than me, that is the time you don't go to the pub or the restaurant. If they'd have said we're going to do that on a Friday, Saturday or Sunday, I, I perhaps would have given it more credence. But people aren't going to rush out just to save 10 quid on a Monday night. Maybe that's the point. Maybe they want you to go out on the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. But I, uh, I, I just took it that Richie had a photo op all set up around that, and it was just a total gimmick. Uh, um, and I don't see how this is seriously going to help the restaurant businesses. Uh, you know, they're going to need a lot more than that. Well, let's uh, bring in one of our guests now, um, Zoe Kerno from the Minac Theatre Trust, and I. I picked on this one because I've actually been there. I was very impressed with what I saw. Um, hello, Zoe. Hi there. How's, uh, how's things shaping up? You ready to roll? We've got your first production ready. How many guests can you have? And how much in the audience? Yeah, so uh, we've actually been open since July the 4th because we also operate as a visitor attraction as well as a theatre. So we've had over 2,000 visitors in this week. Um, they've all been pre-booking and we're actually just pushing the numbers on that a little bit for next week to see if we can cope with an extra... Um, we're doing 50 per half an hour, so we're pushing it to 60 just to see if we can cope with all the measures in place with a few more. 
obviously the main driver for that will be can we get that extra income coming in um, we've we're operating very differently obviously to how we used to operate um, far fewer staff on site at the moment so the majority of my team is still furloughed um, but yes the news yesterday was great because um, actually having a theatre where you can't put anything theatrical on is just a little bit heartbreaking really you know we, we often have visitors who come here and who want to do their bit of Hamlet on the stage and I was at the point of going I'd have to stop that there's no live performances you're not allowed to do that yeah so, um, it's a bit difficult getting very theatrical with someone going around spraying the stage at the same time I mean have, have you worked out the numbers you're obviously going to be restricted on what your capacity is um are the costs going to outweigh the income you're bringing in so um, right from quite early in lockdown, we knew that we had pretty much lost all the season we had advertised for two reasons, one of which the costs were too big to achieve social distancing on stage and backstage, and also the finances weren't going to stack up because we clearly were unlikely to be opening at full capacity. So we hold normally between seven and 800 people, depending on the show. Um, so quite quickly, we, I started looking at what we could put on the stage, actually, you know, what work could we give to performers, backstage teams, designers, directors that we could then afford to do on a much reduced capacity. Um, we're opening at, in fact, we've got our first seated show on Monday, which is a storytelling performance, actually, which we used to sell 800 tickets. We're opening that on 150 just because it's our first go at putting an audience into the theatre but we're looking then over the next two or three weeks to build that probably to about 300 but we won't be releasing that number straight away we'll we'll do some shows capped at 200 and then 250 so that we get used to actually putting that audience in we used to use the word packing for our audience it shows how we used to fit them in I, I hate I used, to, I used to tell people off for using that word but actually so getting the audience in in their household bubbles with the right space around them um but, but you know I, I I think we're going to end up at about 330 as the max once we've got going and that will actually include um if you've been to our theatre you've seen our stage people who haven't we've got a sort of circular area on our stage and then we've got a large flat area and what I'm actually doing for most of the shows is because we're programming one-man shows, very small car shows, two or three four-handers, very small gigs, will be to play the performers just on the circle area, which means we can actually see extra audience on the rest of the stage. We started calling them the stagelings, um, people, so they'll just sit on the flat floor of the stage, but it just gives us a few extra. So you're right, it has been about trying to find product that we can put on that stage, which is financially viable at those numbers. And have you been able to reduce costs? I mean, I, I presume you get a lot of people working for you who are doing it as volunteers, but, you know, have you laid people off? No, so we, we are 100% employed. We don't work with any volunteers. We normally, this time of year, we have about 85 on the payroll. Um, we actually, when we hit lockdown, we were just over 70. So I've still got about 50 of those furloughed at the moment. Um, but they all work quite variable hours, so... Not about only about 25 to 30 people work here year round. We are open in the winter, but we don't have a huge amount of work. So we've got a lot of flexibility within our contracts um, at the moment, which is obviously really helpful um, going forward. Um, do you think that your customers and your regulars or your visitors will be happy to pay that bit extra? Because putting prices up is always a dodgy thing, isn't it? You're never quite sure. Should I? Yeah, absolutely. But um, we, operate, we operate dynamic pricing here, so we've got that flexibility if we need to, to then um, adjust that accordingly. 
the short answer actually is I don't know. We're literally going on sale with our first two shows probably in about two hours' time. <laughs> so if we were doing this later on today, I would probably be able to give you an answer to that. Um, there's certainly there's an awful lot of audience research projects that have gone on through lockdown looking at what consumers are looking for and what they're looking forward to doing. And it certainly feels like there's quite a demand there for live performance. Our website this morning has gone completely mad since the announcement yesterday. Um, I also heard that uh, you had the request from the BBC for the programme to be done from your theatre. Of course, they're getting in on the act too. Uh, one person everywhere. who's one person who's looking a bit jealous uh, is the actor Adam James, um, because Adam, of course, while the outdoor theatre gears up again, the traditional theatre still doesn't have that curtain update. Now I know you also do film and TV. Uh, you know, you've done Dr. Foster, Belgravia, I May Destroy You, etc. Um, and you've written a blog for us. And you and I have talked about this all last week. Uh, you know, what the figures were, what the announcement meant in terms of the 1.6 billion for the arts and culture and so on. Um, how, what's your what's your feeling now that you hear that the outdoor theatres are going back? Are you more hopeful? Um, I mean, obviously, it's thrilling that the package finally came through. Clearly, it's going to be late for some institutions. I don't know where it leaves places like the Nuffield Southampton, whether they uh, will receive money in time to uh, survive the closure of that building. Um, and yes, of course, it's thrilling that any theatre can uh, ha happen uh, outdoors or indoors. But as we've said, um, as welcome as the package is, there's still glaring gaps in government policy as to how we can um, practice and create uh, uh, theatre indoors and in the way we once were with these um, restrictions on social distancing. Uh, it's all well and good, Oliver Dowden, giving us a five-point plan that is sort of almost wholly redundant, suggesting we start rehearsals, but without any sort of financial support or planning as to when these shows can open, it, it all seems a little futile. Um and it, it's also slightly confusing messaging from the government, and it feels that there's well, sort of one rule for them and one rule for us. So we see images of sort of planes and trains relatively packed out, people sitting hugga-mugga all facing one direction. Uh, and I don't know why uh, that can happen, and yet it can't happen uh, in a theatre. And arguably we've got the same protocols in place in terms of um, people's details and track and trace should there, that be required through box office and ticket sales um so it, it feels great that the the support uh, is there and that uh, that we're not going to lose potentially as many theaters as was predicted um with as many as 70 percent of theaters without any financial investment looked like they were going under by december which is a, a really shocking number so that's great that that's going to happen. It's just how can it happen? And part of the frustration is we're such a productive and lucrative uh, sector. And the only reason we had to close is because of the coronavirus. It's not for lack of being um, lucrative and productive. The minute we're allowed to go back to rehearse and create productions uh in the way that we once were, I can't see why we wouldn't be as um, prolific. There's, of course, the problem of, of people's own nervousness about returning to those venues um, and how we overcome that. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how you get on down at the Minac Theatre. I'd be really curious to see how, how you do... sell. I'm hoping you'll sell brilliantly. 
I'm, Sorry, and, uh, and I think we all do that, but I'm just wondering what you both think, you know, because, um, Adam, I think there's something like £112 billion comes in from the arts and culture sector, uh, £1.3 billion in ticket sales for the West End theatres alone last year. Um, does it, both of you, I mean, do you feel that given a package of 1.6 billion there's a lack of understanding just how of just how important this sector is to the UK economy Zoe I'll let you get you're probably far more uh... um yeah I mean I think I think the industry obviously has to welcome the 1.6 1.57 billion whatever um that came through last week I think there's a huge challenge around how that is then distributed across organisations and across the country. Um, and I think, echoing what you were saying earlier, I think there's a huge concern about how the freelance sector is going to benefit from that package as well going forward. Um, yeah, I would also actually add to Adam's point earlier, the other anomaly that I've not got my head around at all is the fact cinemas can open. So if cinemas can open with an audience inside, why can't indoor theatres open, even if not at big scale shows initially? But it just makes little sense to me, really. Um, yeah, the, the logic behind that. I haven't have I have I actually answered your question properly, Liz. I'm sorry. I went straight off doesn't on a tangent, matter. didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> no, that that doesn't matter, Adam. I, I'm sure you've got some thoughts on that. Well, the truth is, Liz. I mean, the, as we you know, we're all grateful for the investment, but you're right. I, I think in the long term, it will prove not um, not a, a, an overly substantial amount, especially when you look at our sort of European counterparts. I think France have in place a seven billion euro uh, package and another uh, program to continue to pay for self-employed artists until next August. So, um, I, you know, country comparisons I know are a, a little erroneous, but uh, yeah, I think the proof will be in the pudding. We'll see where we are six months from now. Um, but what is paramount is they need to clarify a way for um, traditional theatres to, to operate because without that, nothing's going to happen. Well, the point that Simon made that was that the Regent, you know, he looked on uh, the open air theatre at Regent's Park and he discovered that the season was cancelled. Now, Adam was telling me last week that a lot of the pantos have already been cancelled. Um, you can't just claw that back. Where do you start even when you do get an opening date to, to rebuild again? Well, I guess uh, some of this funding, depending on how it's distributed, will maybe help fill that gap. Um, Sam Mendes has also come up with a very useful idea of cutting um, the uh, tax for theatres from uh, 20% to 50%, which could also help stem some of that um, flow. But you're right, without uh, being able to schedule and programme productions that bring in real cash, uh, yeah, I don't know where that leaves a lot of those venues. Uh, and particularly with, that, uh, do you think there'll be problems with funding for different programmes and shows will be difficult to come by once this is over and once the theatres have been you know, returned to normal or as normal as, as, as damn it? Well, it's a good question. I mean, this, uh, this government hasn't been brilliant at um, supporting the arts historically. Uh, and yet in the last 10 years, it's grown by 47%. So we are incredibly resourceful, but uh, I, I would hate for that to be taken as a, a, as a given. There's this sort of um, 
idea that you know if you squeeze the arts they'll find a way of um surviving uh and inevitably it, it, it is an institution or, or or an environment that has a a lot of creative people and a lot of creative minds and find a way of doing that it would be great not to have to continue to survive in those um ways and that um funding could become a sort of regularly constant and well supported uh, part of our our culture i think everybody has benefited from um the grassroots of what uh, of theatre creates uh, everybody's had their streaming services i'm sure blitz loads of box sets and i think people all too easily forget that um the feeding of those monstrous shows and uh, big successful shows on netflix and disney all really uh start from the theatre. Um, I, I, if I use The Crown for an example, almost all of its writers, its cast and directors all cut their teeth in theatre. So if we lose that um, feeding system or that that growing uh, ground, um, I think in the long term, generationally, we'll find a real dearth in, in talent across the board. And I, I would... I- you know, there's, a, there's almost an opportunity in this funding to sort of reset how the funding does work. Um, it would be very easy for 1.57 billion to be to just disappear into keeping buildings, the the, um, the buildings open that have always been open and running in exactly the same way. And actually, there's a question there about is this an opportunity for the sector to steer maybe more of that money into the grassroots if there is a way of doing that and supporting, you know, from the bottom upwards. I don't want to be the person at DCMS that has to work out how that happens, to be honest. And I'm incredibly <laughs> relieved that I sit here running a charitable theatre that doesn't receive a penny of public subsidy because we're thankful that we have the visitors that come and visit us and that gives us enough money to be able to do what we want to do, including producing our own work. Um, but I do think it's a huge challenge and I think there's a, you know, there's a possibility here that the temptation is going to be to fund what's happened before. Um, obviously timescales are very, very tight. Um, yeah, it's a really, really tricky one. And in terms of how that's then going to rock forward for the future, in terms of what those organisations, once you've saved them now, you're going to you're committed to carry on, carrying on saving them for the future. That's a very good point. Can I just bring in um, Jenny Beish, the uh, landlady of the Barley Mow in Maidenhead and Sam Harrison, who is the owner of Sam's Riverside in Hammersmith. Both of them joined us a few weeks ago. And of course, Sam owns a restaurant. He opened again on Saturday. Jenny uh, has got the pub and she opened again on Saturday. So what's it been like for the people who have fully got back to work? And, you know, and what do you think about the plight of the the theatres that you've been hearing uh, Adam and Zoe talk about? Sam, thoughts? Hi, Liz. Um, listen, first and foremost, I'm just thrilled to be open uh, and to, ha- to have smiley customers back through the doors. Um, it's, it's, it's been a really bizarre opening week, um, uh, getting used to all of the guidelines, procedures, our operations. But, but first and foremost, we're serving people again. We're cooking food, we're pouring wine. Uh, the tills are ringing, um, which is obviously very encouraging. Um, I hear Adam and your other guests talking and I I just hope that they get to open as quickly as possible. Um, I I totally agree with Adam that there's no logic um, behind having cinemas reopening, having gyms reopening, having packed, um, well, in fact, having, you know, restaurants reopen if we can't reopen theatres as well. 
Um, but the most encouraging thing for me as, as a restaurant operator is that customers are booking, they want to return, um, and uh, yeah, we've got the tills going again. Jenny, did the customers return to the pub? They did. Uh, we had a good opening on the Saturday and Sunday. Um, it was a good start, but the weather hasn't been the kindest to us. Uh, we decided to open up outside to start with because we don't. it's only a wet lead pub, we don't do food. So we thought the easiest place, we put a couple of marquees, just the roofs on. But by sort of eight o'clock, it was, they were freezing. <laughs> they said, we, look, we're going to have to go. So after I thought, hmm, a bit of a quiet day, let's, we're going to have to let some in. So we've now got five tables inside. So, you know, maximum of probably 25 people if they've so many people per bubble. But we, that, that's like about a quarter of what we, we should be doing. We should be packing them in. <laughs> And, that, and that's the point, Jenny, isn't it, that we've been banging on about. The, the, the government say we're being led by the science. So, in other words, none of us can argue because we don't know about the science. Um, and it's great, you know, we've heard that the premises are being opened and, and money's coming in. But how long can you go on for on reduced capacity, whether it be your hairdressers, your pub, your restaurant, your theatre? Um, you know, how long are these restrictions going to be in place? We just don't know. Well, exactly. And especially, I you know, as we come up to October, November, it's going to be freezing and they, they are just not going to want to go and sit in the garden. And if we've only got 20, 25 people indoors, it's, it's, it's catastrophic. It will just kill us, especially because the pub companies are giving no help on paying rent. Um, Jenny, any tips for Zoe and Adam? Because, of course... You know, they're thinking about what opening up is going to be like. You guys have already been through it. I, I've, def, I've definitely found, uh, and I guess every establishment is different, but, um, uh, and Mickey touched on it, obviously we're, we're running at about 50% capacity. Um, I haven't quite done, had time to sort of really analyse what that means in terms of finances, at, which we'll, we'll you know, do on Monday after the weekend. But in simple terms, I think we'll just about be breaking even um, I, I found that people, there's a real mixture, although people seem very keen to come out, people really want to know what our procedures, how uh, we're following the government guidelines, and, and it's, it really is about confidence. Um, I think if the customer believes in you, trusts in you, and feels safe in your hands, um, then they're willing to return. And we're, we're finding that already. I, I've, I've got people who, who came earlier in the week. I think they were surprised by how normal it can feel, e even with screens and staff in masks. And they're willing to support that and support you. And having seen that actually they can still experience the enjoyment and pleasure of being in a restaurant, that they're rebooking um, so I, I think, you know, for, for me as a restaurateur, we've just got to get, spread the word that we're here and doing things a little bit differently, but fundamentally normally. I suppose Absolutely, it's about that messaging. It is. It's, it's getting the message out to the customers. We've done a lot of Facebook, Facebook work, sort of advertising what, we'd, what, what procedures we've got in place, what they're going to expect so that it's not all a big shock when you're stopped at the door and asked to sanitise your hands. You know, these things aren't difficult, but it's just getting people used to the new normal. Can you afford to have someone at the door telling people to do that? Or is that just the bar staff's, one of their chores that, well, the, the you know, they would not, obviously <laughs> wouldn't normally do? 
the first few days it was just um it was just ourselves doing it sort of because I've got obviously one person behind the bar and then we were having one one at the door um but going forward we haven't you know the last few days we've had the the bar staff pretty much doing it all because it's only we've only a tiny pub we just say stop there <laughs> do your hands come and tell me your name give me your phone number now go stand there have your drink <laughs> go outside Mickey, you're, 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 you're absolutely right. I mean, that's, that's our problem is that, um, you know, we, we're doing 50% of the covers, but, but at the moment, and, and maybe we're being a bit overcautious, but where I would normally have one host on the door, it almost requires three people because I've, I've got to have somebody at the front door. If we've got a reservation for you, we have your details for track and trace. If you're a walk-in, then we need to get your details for track and trace. Somebody else kind of needs to explain the procedures and the one-way system that we're operating. So it doesn't it's exactly flow, does it? No, no, it's, it's very, <laughs> it's very labour-intensive. And actually, I mean, the only way, we're trying to make a. Obviously, we're taking these things very seriously, but we're sort of saying to people, listen, let's get past this entrance period and once you're inside then relax and have fun because it there is this whole sort of arrival procedure um but it but it requires a lot of staff and so we're almost running with a higher staff bill than we were before but we're doing less business i was going to say to you exponentially how much of your costs gone up compared with the the, the measures being brought in have you, uh, got, have you been able to gauge that at all? Yeah, I mean, our, our fixed overheads are, are roughly the same, are, are the same. Um, it are, I think our wages at the moment are about 30% up. Um, now, we, we will obviously get used to these procedures and, and systems and we'll be able to, to tweak that down. Um, but, but at the moment, I mean, we've, we found it very, um, I don't know if Jenny would agree, we found it that first weekend very physically and emotionally draining because you know first and foremost we, we serve warm food and cold beer but now you're having to do all of that behind a screen you're having to answer a lot of questions you're having to to get people to fill out information there's a lot more going on um and and, and also you want to do it all correctly so i, I think things will soften and relax but, but at the moment, there's definitely an extra cost to us. Can I ask all four of you, um, you know, we're not there yet. So even those who are open most certainly aren't there yet. And we don't know how many will be able to carry on uh, with the reduced margins. Uh, Zoe, you know, you're up to full gear tomorrow morning. So the rest of your day is going to be very busy. Adam, you're still thinking about what it means for the whole sector. What do you want to say? to government, what do you want to say to those people who uh, have got the money bags? What's the one thing you want them to do to help you? End social distancing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they keep talking to us about the, the science and I, I, you know, I've been reading around the subject a lot and without going completely off uh, subject, it, it it is totally nonsensical at the moment. The whole process in which uh, a lot of these businesses after being uh, reopened and the protocols they have to follow um, make absolutely no sense to where we currently find ourselves uh, with regard to the epidemic. And um, it's so prohibitive uh, for every business to operate uh, 
fully. Uh, and I, I think until there's a, a, a huge rethink about that, we're going to have to keep, you know, bumbling along in these fits and starts, which is not ideal for, for anybody. And yeah. the experience so as well is, is... Sorry? And social distancing. <laughs> and social distancing. Jenny? Well, I think that the, the um, help that the government has given recently is has, hasn't helped us at all in the pub, um, especially being the wet lead pub, we don't do food. So everyone's coming in, oh, I can have 20, 15% off my beer. Well, no, you can't because beer's not included. Well, one so, thing you uh, learn, Jenny, when it comes to, you know, science, it's a bit like economists. You stick 12 economists in a room, you'll come up with 13 different views absolutely. and most of them will be wrong. I mean, that, that's part <laughs> of the problem. Everyone's an expert in this country and very few of us get it right. Well, they haven't um, helped. I mean, they haven't helped pubs at all. It, you know, they, the best thing they could do is cut some duty of, of the beer duty, and that is really the only thing that's going to help us because they've they brought out a new code to help the landlord tenants, but then made it voluntary. So it's it's a bit like a chocolate teapot. What use is that? Um, Zoe, what's the one thing you'd like? Yeah. Do you know what? Um, obviously, ending social distancing, yeah, that would be fantastic. But actually, for me, there's been a whole thing about can you allow us as business owners to use our common sense and to do our own risk assessments? I'm finding you know, the guidance is so specific. And actually, there's times when you think, you know, yes, does it apply in the open? Does it apply? But, you know, we run businesses. I do risk assessments all the time. I have a theatre which has 100 steps to reach the stage and none of them are the same size as any other. You know, I can I can, I can, can assess risk and please don't just tell me all every last detail of how I need to run my business because actually that that's even more time consuming trying to make sure I've ticked all those boxes properly. And uh, Sam, last word to you. Uh, I, I definitely agree with that. I mean, you know, in restaurants, um, I mean, food safety and the safety of our customers is what we do anyway. Um, on the opening weekend, I had uh, the police and uh, local licensing and someone from the council visit me three times. Um, and really? they didn't seem to know what they were looking for because there were no strict guidelines but they were just sort of slightly amazed by actually we had customers in and, and, and I felt they were trying to catch us out. Um, yeah. And but none of them ever worked in a pub in the first place. Well, and, and three of them standing at the door, uh, not really helping the um, customer feel confident. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I mean, the guidelines are so vague for restaurants. Um, so I, I think the, the message should be drop Project Fear, get out, trust your uh, restaurants, trust your pubs, trust your theatres. You know, we know how to look after people. Um, I wonder, Simon, if uh, we need to really start thinking about when we start talking up the confidence, because everybody's mentioned confidence and if people don't have the confidence to come out and start spending I know that uh, obviously there's one school of thought says we need to be saving much more and that's great but the treasury would like us to spend it will be down to confidence yes that's right but I think that the confidence is all linked to the pandemic and the fact of the matter is this pandemic is still here and uh, you know we are maybe going through a bit of a lull at the moment, but there is evidence in other countries that it comes back. And I think the government is being cautious in as much that um, 
is not prepared to completely reopen the economy at this stage. And it probably won't happen really properly until next year because they need to see whether there's going to be a second wave or not in the autumn. And, you know, if you think um, the lockdown this time was bad and they have to lock down again, well, we're looking at catastrophe, basically. Oh, that's a pretty gloomy uh, way on which to end the podcast. So I'm not going to I'm not going to end it there because uh, Daniel Granger is a bit more optimistic, I think, than some of the people we've heard from. Now, Daniel is the Nottingham hairdresser who trained about 700 hairdressers online during lockdown. Um, he's back with his scissors in his hand. He, of course, uh, opened on Saturday as well. As I said, there were queues outside barber shops and hairdressers all over England. And let's not forget uh, Wales, Scotland, Northern Ireland are all opening at different dates. But Daniel told us how good it felt. Hi, guys. Glad to be back. And uh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I just want to kind of tell you about the experience of opening Daniel Granger Hairdressing in Northampton for the first time after a very, very long time. We have had such a successful start. On Saturday the 4th of July, I opened up to my staff and my staff only, where they come in and experience the new journey. I had team training of how the new systems are working and everything that we're going to do to keep us safe and our clients safe and our business open. We have a 26% increase in new clients and we are bursting at the seams. We will also put our prices up and every client is happy to pay it because of the upgrade of service. It has been very successful so far, so good. We have had a few bumps on the ride, you know, a few bumps on the road. Um, and it's been a ride of waves of emotion over the last three days. But we got to the end of Tuesday at eight o'clock at night and our backs were hurting from the positions that we haven't stood in for a long time. And we all gave each other a round of applause. And I hope every other salon out there is doing exactly the same. Business is good. We're back on our feet and hopefully the economy will do the same. I'm ignoring the negative and just focusing on all the positives that we've got. The, the thing that I would say I miss the most is being able to give my clients a massive cuddle. I've had clients cry on me because they haven't seen me for that long and I've cut their hair since I was 16 years old. I still cut them today and I'm 38. And all they want to do is hug me and they couldn't wait to see me. Some of the haircuts that have come in, some of the home disasters, some that have left it alone and let their greys grow out. It's been incredible to transform these people and see their self-esteem just light up. And we do that. We give them confidence and we give them the story. And we've shared our fears. We've shared our stories of COVID-19. My staff are well. I'm well. My clients are amazing. I'll see you all soon. Thank you so much for listening. I want to give them a round of applause. <laughs> Mickey, don't worry, you need to start spending in order to help the economy get back on its feet. But hairdressers is not is not your strong point. Uh, I no, think I'm you should go and see Jenny in the polish. pub. <laughs> <laughs> you should go and see Jenny in the pub. Yeah, anyway, so time for time for us to go. But there's a note of optimism uh, to end on. And, you know, Daniel is doing his best to give as much confidence <laughs> as possible. So, Zoe, really, really good luck 
uh, when it all kicks off because yeah, it's going to be really busy. Adam, we'll talk to you before you go back on stage. I hope. Yes, uh, Jenny. Um, as soon as as soon as we can get down to Maidenhead, I think we should bring the whole team. Drinks are on <laughs> and these. Sam, uh, Sam, send us over the menu. We'll be th- we'll be there sh- as soon as we can, <laughs> as we could all get there. Um, and thanks everybody so much for joining us, Mickey. It's been um, it's been a brilliant week. Um, I wonder what next week's <laughs> going to hold. Well, it's been a busy week for sure. Yeah, yeah. But you know, as Daniel said, you keep uh, keep the hopes flying and uh, hopefully we'll come out of this in one piece. But we've got a long way to go. And we'll hear from you again, Simon, next week. Thanks, everybody, ever so much. Thank you for joining us. (laughs) 